Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. And this is the J to the E to the F to the F. All right. And today we are lucky to have Chad McIntyre, who's the development lead for Python, Open Python. How do you say this right, Chad? IBM Open Enterprise SDK for Python on ZOS. It's a bit of a mouthful. That's a lot, a lot to say. So I just say Python on ZOS. Agreed. Let's go with that. <laughs> okay. Can can you start by telling us, you know, Python's been available for the platform for a long time. Why is IBM suddenly deciding to, to do it on, you know, from within the company? That's a good question. So let's let's dig in a bit here. Um, there's been different versions of Python available over history, as you say. So there's some two fours, some earlier versions of three, um, and those are available from external vendors. Uh, and so that's that's been useful. But there, there was a lot of of questions and a lot of problems around that from the perspective of IBM embracing Python and using Python as something that it would ship software based on. So it's a bit of a difficult discussion to, to say, okay, I want to build my product on something that's not part of the system or part of our offering. Um, please go outside and, and get a copy there. So that's that's one really good reason, right, is is to bring Python to, to the IBM development ecosystem and to enable it to be able to actually ship and, and develop Python software itself. Uh, but also from the perspective of, of a client's experience, um, it, it's also not a fun discussion to say, oh, you need to kind of go all over the place to, to pick up things, right? Customers are used to going to IBM to get IBM Z software, and that's, you know, just bringing Python into that fold, I think, makes a lot of sense. So this is specifically for, for Python 3, this, this, latest, uh, this latest push. That's correct, Jeff. So uh, for those who follow Python, Python 2 has actually been sunset. Um, and so there, there's still lots of two implementations sitting around and things of that nature. Um, but given that statement, we felt it prudent to focus on three and kind of staying current with with the actual community releases. So that's really important. Uh, you plan on not just putting something out, but you're really focused on making sure that we're at the latest level of Python all the time, right? That's correct, Frank. So the idea here is that the Python community moves ahead, right? Uh, they're up to, I mean, they're working actively on 3.10 right now. Um, and so keeping up with that is is part of the game of uh, making sure that latest and greatest Python technology, all of those packages and all of that software that's being written in Python is available to the to the mainframe and to, to IBM Z. Python is, you know, a very extensible and, and kind of li library dependent language uh, to get into. How is that broader ecosystem going to be be handled so that I'm not just just writing all my code from the ground up? Yeah, I want to be able to pip install stuff, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's that's part of the joy of Python, right, is, is you've got this monster library of stuff on the Python package index that you can pull in and use right away. Um, so the good news is, we're, we're well aware of that, and that's been a first-class use case for us along the way. So we've endeavored very, very hard to make sure that PyPy and, and pip install, as you say, the, the method for installing from PyPy, is actually available to people and, and working on the system. So we test this routinely. Every build, we work through and test pip installs off of open source packages to make sure that what we're building is there. 
Um, so that's it, just like PyPy on any other platform. Some packages work, some packages don't. Um, there, there's just sometimes issues with them. Um, but we're happy to see that we've got around a 78% success rate on pip install packages. Um, so that means that a lot of the software out there is, is just going to work straight out of the box for you. What about uh, Anaconda? Do you see you guys uh, being part of that uh, group as well? Yeah, so we also see Anaconda is definitely one of the other package distribution things that is very popular on the platform, very popular on other platforms. And we are definitely looking into that space as well because it's just a, a valuable place to have another option for IBM Z clients to be able to grab or manage software. So, so this is kind of important. You know, I know that a lot of uh, mainframers are going to be maybe a little bit reticent to use something like uh, PyPy or or Anaconda, do, do you see uh, that there's a way for an installation to be able to say, okay, well, here's a set of packages that, that we've already vetted and we support, and, and could I still use, say, PIP in that environment? Or um, do you think that uh, we're just going to have to trust the larger community? You're, you're onto a very important problem there, Frank, and one we, we've heard about quite a bit actually already. Um, and that is IBM Z clients typically are a bit sensitive or a bit careful about their environments and the, the things they pull into them. So uh, we're looking at a few different angles there. So to your zero example, uh, PIP can actually be used in, in somewhat of a mirror format. So one of the, the ways we've seen or, or helped clients kind of address this is you develop an internal mirror. So the idea behind it is you you have a set of vetted packages that you you trusted. Okay, you've done your due diligence. You've made sure that they look right, um, and then you put them in a, in a special place on your your LAN or, or something that's accessible to the mainframe, mm-hmm. and then you configure PIP to pull from that as opposed to you know the the World Wide Web. So that's one way to kind of introduce that governance and that control, um, but still get access or or the ability to use PIP. Um, Conda or Anaconda specifically has has also these notions of mirrors and kind of you can bring down a mirror of a given repository or a given channel and serve that to to your local machine as well. Um, so I'll, I'll be honest and transparent. These, these are evolving pictures, right? And things we're learning. Um, g- given we started the the Python endeavor last year, you know we've chased or, or caught up with currency on the on the platform, which is great. Uh, and so now we're kind of taking a pause and we're, we're reading the, the environment to see, okay, so where are the, you know, the sticky points, where are the problems or, or the things we need to kind of look at? Uh, and that's very much one of them. Without um, uh, throwing ourselves under the bus, can you talk about some of those kind of sticky areas, which I'm assuming are being worked on that we can maybe look forward to? Sure. Well, I mean, we just covered the one, right, um, is, is the idea of how do I get packages or or trusted packages from from that perspective. Uh, others are around the notion of, of getting more of the package ecosystem to actually work on IBM Z. Uh, so one of, one of the common idioms you see in Python is this idea of, I'm going to take an existing piece of software and then I'm going to wrap it with this Pythonic wrapper, right? Um, so that I can access it through Python. Uh, and so the problem or the challenge there is that underlying software isn't always uh, intended or, or ready to work on IBM Z. Um, to, to give you examples, we've got things which pull in Fortran 77 um, or, or other things of that nature. So th- there's work that has to go into that. So that's another point where we're, we're really kind of focused and 
working hard is, is to shore up that equation so that a lot of these packages will build, um, even the CC++ packages sometimes need some TLC around kind of how to get them built on Z using IBM's compilers and things of that nature. So uh, that's definitely one of the other ones. Um, so, so to me, those are the two primary ones that stand out right now, the two, the two we hear about most. Yeah, in fact, uh, I know uh, trying to pip install uh, something that I wanted that needed um, some C uh, built. That yeah. there were some some issues as I tried to to you know kind of make sure that the XLC was working the way it needed to for uh, for pip to work. Do, do you guys are you going to be providing kind of guidance on how to do that or because um, that that was not a trivial hmm. exercise, right? Yeah, and, and that's a good point. And actually it's, it's reflective of the, the nature of building C and C++ on the platform in general. Uh, but to, to that extent, we, we do recognize, you know, Python, Python users, Python developers are typically used to the pip install and the magic happens and then I can do my thing. Um, they don't really want to get into the weeds of how do I make sure that C and C++ builds on this thing. Uh, let alone from source. So the the things we're doing there, or the way we're looking at this is th there's a couple of things. So we do absolutely have guidance in our documentation around the, the best practices to make sure that the compiler is set up to succeed most often uh, in these cases. So that that's a one, that is one. So that, that was a bit of a learning endeavor for us. Uh, but I think we, we've gotten to a, a better spot in terms of understanding how that goes. On top of that, we're, we're looking at how to kind of streamline things from a disk utils perspective to provide kind of specialization for compilers. Um, one of the other challenges here is that there are multiple CC++ compilers available on IBM Z. Uh, and so there's, there's the need to kind of specialize along those paths as well. How long do you think it'll be before um, Python gets to sit at the grown-ups table with with Java and COBOL and everyone else? That's a great question and, and an interesting one too. Uh, I don't think it's going to be long, guys. To to be honest, I think you're you're starting to see it, it's in its I would I would say it's in its neo moment where it's just kind of been awoken in the real world and it's kind of looking around trying to figure out what's up. But I think people are gonna quickly kind of get that Morpheus lesson of, okay, here's what the real world looks like, and it's just gonna be off to the races from there. Um, it's, it, it seems like it's it's really grown very quickly. Um, you know, last year at this time, uh, it, was, it was not something that people were talking about, but it seems like almost overnight, everybody and his brother is talking about um, having Python and using Python on the platform. Absolutely. Um, do you see that? For sure, for sure. I mean, to your point, I mean, around this time last year, we were starting, right? <laughs> so that's why people weren't talking about it. Um, so, you know, between between now and June of last year, we we shipped it. Uh, and so it, it kind of got attention. So there, there's some obviously primary use use cases here, right? So Ansible was was one of our prime drivers. Um, that, that set of software is built on Python and, and a big driver for the need for Python on IBM Z. But on top of that, uh, since then, since the release, a lot of a lot of people have had questions and, and interest around the question of how do I how do I make use of Python, right? How do I get started with this thing and start to do mm -hmm. some interesting things? Because a lot of them know Python, a lot of them are a fan of Python. Uh, they just never never really thought about okay, how do I actually really use this in an IBM 
Z environment. Uh, and so now we're starting to see that that moment hit and these people to are starting to get to a point where they're saying, yeah, let's let's figure out how to use this. How can I work this into my product? How can I use Python as part of my product? So it's kind of puts you in an interesting position because you've got people who are, are you now you need to sell them on a language other than Rex for their like daily scripting kind of stuff. And then you've got people who are used to Python on other platforms and you have to make sure they're taking advantage of the stuff that, that happens on ZOS that they might not be aware of yet. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And, and, and I think something worth emphasizing as well, right, is is you introduce this access to this this Python talent pool, but you also want to to make sure that you're not orphaning or, or abandoning this existing set of skills. So you do have to walk that line of, okay, I'm, I'm making this this versant in, in the, the stuff that's already been on the platform for a long time, uh, but also attracting that new talent and, and giving people access to that new talent. So if, if I am a, a, a Python person, sorry, Frank, um, and, and I, you know, I, I have something that I, I think is a good use case to work on Z and it should work and I just can't get it working right. What are my next steps? Is there like a, like a, a SWAT team I can call in or like a, a 1-800 hotline? How does, what are my next steps? Uh, can so that just call you? Call Jeff Bisty? <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> However, um, so one of the things here is is that we, we haven't really talked about the offering itself, but basically it's a zero license charge product, uh, but there is optional paid service and support. So if you're in a place where you, you need service and support, um, that, that is available to you. That said, uh, my team is actually very, very interested in helping and, and making sure that we can kind of get things working um, and, and to understand where people are running into problems and things of that nature. So. Uh, through our through our contact channels on on our page, I think it would be wise to reach out and, and get to us. Um, and you raise a good point, you know, making making that path smoother. There, we don't have a one eight hundred number just yet. Uh, that's okay. Uh, no one likes to use phones anyway. That's true. Yes. <laughs> I text you at the one eight hundred. Just right don't on. start a Slack channel. Just yeah. don't. Just don't do it. Yes, yes. We have enough discords going, right? That's right. I I, I noticed that. That Python just runs um, from within the shell environment. Isn't that kind of limiting? Doesn't that keep me from from really getting at a lot of the core things that ZOS has? Uh, so that's a really interesting question because it would seem that way. It would seem like this this is a Unix thing, and it only knows how to speak Unix. Um, but the good news is uh, the Z Open Automation Utilities package, which has actually been provided with a Python interface. Uh, which I think is available through PIP, if I'm recalling correctly, uh, gives you access or, or basically gives you a Pythonic way to do things on the MVS side of ZOS. Uh, and that's kind of a weird thing to warp your mind around to, to think about. I'm using Python to submit JCL or to read or write data sets or, I mean, even read the, the system log uh, on, on MVS. Uh, but those facilities are there, and, and it's a great thing. So you, you start to see this this interesting thing. Python's one of those languages that great for, that's great for automation. It's great for the idea of, of kind of gluing together a bunch of disparate things in, in some kind of pipeline and, and running it. So now you have this thing where you can kind of do your stuff on the Unix system services side, uh, but then you can also reach out to that MVS side, right, to, to get to some of those those things and to, to do that. So now you have an, an incredibly powerful thing in your hands in terms of um, being able to automate based on that. 
and then you know you can start tying that into ansible and using that to drive uh, and so you're kind of on your journey or, or, or getting to this place where you you're starting to be able to make the whole z experience accessible in in sort of a hybrid cloud context right well there's a whole lot to unpack and what you just said mm -hmm. um so one of them before we even start talking about the ansible thing sure. you, know, you, you talked a little bit about uh how th this gives me the ability to do some some really powerful automation uh, do you see this as a tool that people can use uh, to start uh, working as an open source community to manage uh, ZOS? Because Python is used as an automation tool uh, for managing most other platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and to that effect, I mean, case in point, my team is actually kind of embarking down that notion, right? I mean, er everybody needs a build server, right? And, and the ability to kind of put down and configure a Z system. Mm -hmm. um, we're literally in the process of, okay, how do I how do I do that with Python, right? How do I set up my Z build machine for Python using Python? Uh, and so absolutely, to, to, to me, it's showing its merits already and, and it's, it's a fruitful place or a fruitful direction to go. So when, when, I, when I talk about Python with people, um, you know, just hanging out, you know, doing cool rad people <laughs> stuff. <laughs> the thing that always comes up is artificial intelligence, you know, because Python rode a huge wave in terms of the number of, of libraries and just, you know, data munging and stuff like that. Um, so when people think Python, a lot of times they think AI. Is there going to be or is there an effort to kind of interweave some of the uh, ML and AI on Z offerings um, to play well with the uh, or play better with the Python on Z offering? Yeah, so so that's a, that's another great question because that that's you're absolutely right. I mean that's that's the on ramp I like to say to to those packages or to that to that uh, ecosystem. And so it, it's definitely important and, and something we are highly focused on. So the the truth of the the matter is there's lots of challenges around that space. So a lot of these packages are dependent on things that are that are just not super portable. Um, and, you know, some of the aforementioned things I had mentioned around Fortran code and things of that nature uh, come, come home to, to roost there specifically. So we are we are heavily interested and heavily looking at this this equation and figuring out how to solve that um, and, and show the path to, to how to get there. Great. Yeah, yeah, there's there's some really neat things happening, you know, around uh, th this whole effort. You know, I, I know that um, there's a group that's created a thing called MLZ, which looks at uh, some of the control block information that's already available and has a kind of a, a markup language uh, way of, of looking at it, which allows you to, to take that information and put it into Python um, so that I can start to access and, and manage control block information from Python, which I think would be a really cool um, ability to, to start taking what has traditionally been um, a venue only for low, lower level languages and really connecting it to, to something like Python. I think it's, it's a really cool starting point. Absolutely. Let, let me jump in because I mean, th there's a good expansion point there too, Frank. And that's that's this notion that, that what what they're doing there is actually a very common design idiom in Python. You've got that existing functionality, right? And, and you build the Pythonic 
wrapper or the Python bridge to it. Uh, and so that gives you that nice, nice ability, as you say, to bring that data back into Python, and then you can start kind of using those heavy lifting tools that you've got from the ecosystem to really start to do some interesting things. Uh, and, and I think realistically, this is a good way for, for many people to start, right? Is, is the more things you wrap or, or the more things you make available so that you can get the data from them to Python, uh, the more potential you give yourself. So now you can start pulling things from, from multiple places, multiple systems, multiple apps, uh, combining them in Python, and then starting to really go to work on those tools with, with that ecosystem to, to really start to deliver some value and do some interesting things on the platform. Yeah, I won't be happy until I have a list of dictionaries um, that can I can go through uh, that entire list of control blocks in, in a very Pythonic way. Oh, that's a really interesting idea. I just like the word Pythonic. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't so, it Pythonic? So... so <laughs> So we've, we've kind of talked about uh, a lot of Python as, as it is uh, the ability to, to manage components, but we've also mentioned Ansible. H how do you see Python as it relates to, to Ansible? Well, I mean, that's, that's a good question. It's kind of the flip side almost. So Ansible is technically written in Python and a Python package itself. Um, so you can literally do pip install Ansible and you have Ansible. Um, but that said, the, the meat of, of the, the idea there is Ansible is, is a really powerful and, and somewhat agnostic thing uh, that, that helps you manage across, uh, you know, so, sort of a hybrid cloud environment. So you can speak to all your different servers, but in a very, very similar way. Um, I, I, I like to call it the, the lingua franca of hybrid cloud from, from the perspective that, you know, all of these things kind of build on Python and, and use Python as sort of the, the central or, or the language they, they use to, to express things. And so being able to treat your Z box as any other box is a really interesting idea, right? So, so it, it means that you can centralize and consolidate your skill base. You, you now have, you know, not just the guys who run my IBM Z and then the guys who run my distributed systems, you have the guys who run my Ansible based deployments and those happen to just go to Z or uh, whatever other platform you happen to have. Uh, so to me, it's, it's a really powerful thing from that perspective. And, you know, as I say, my team's already, you know, way, way into the water in terms of, of using this to be able to do, I have playbooks to run test runs. I have playbooks to set up build machines. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's bearing out from our perspective and, and they're, they're actually pleasant to write at, at that point. So uh, lots of merit down that line in my mind. As someone who just had to look up lingua franca, I have to agree. I assumed it was, I thought I assumed he was making fun of Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't even see that one. That's a good one. Yeah. So it's, it's, the, the, uh, the playbooks automation is, is funny. We, we incorporated some of that into the master, the mainframe last year. And uh, some people as their, their final projects where they got to pick what they wanted to do. Um, one contestant wrote a playbook that just solves master the mainframe for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes it easier. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going to make sure they get uh, all the recognition they deserve. I was going to say, make sure that's recognized. That's good. The, uh, uh, I've also been working with uh, a business that, has a very extensive uh, Ansible infrastructure for their distributed space. 
-hmm. and they have um, a large number of ZOSL PARs, and the plan is to to start managing those those ZOSL PARs with that same infrastructure. And to me, that's such a cool idea that I can start managing ZOS resources like I'd manage any other cloud resource. Mm-hmm. I think that is is going to mark a very big change in what you can uh, use ZOS for in the future. Yeah. And, and I just want to go back to something Jeff was saying there with, with Master the Mainframe. So I think one of the things we also gloss over here is is the ease of, of learning Python, right? Um, it, it, it's one of those languages that's super easy to learn in terms of, of the core parts. Uh, and then you kind of get left in that pool of, okay, you know, this monster ecosystem that you can use. Um, but that's that's kind of the beauty of it, right, is, is you can kind of learn that really quickly and then... Python is well known as a prototyping language, right? It, it's known for this a prototyping language because you can so rapidly develop something using that ecosystem uh, just to prove out an idea. And I think that's a key thing to really helping development on the, on the IBM Z server is being able to rapidly prototype and, and check, okay, if I did this, what would it look like, right? And, and to use your example about control blocks, I mean, Let's, let's just try it and see. And then you get to it and you're like, oh, wow, this is really powerful. If I could then get a full list of those. So, so you see the, the power in terms of amplifying the, the development perspective on Z uh, just by having Python, just by having that facility. Can you, um, just so we don't get angry email, can you possibly go on the record as saying that um, Python isn't here to forcibly take away your pile of wrecks? Ah, absolutely. So, so, so th- that's a great point, and, and I kind of want to touch on that one, Jeff, because it, it, it circles back to the well, how do I start? Question, right? Um, I, I get this one a lot, and, and people are, are really struggling with that notion. Um, and you know, I think it's partly because it's like, well, now do I have to go rewrite everything in Python? And, and absolutely not. Um, to, to borrow the the analogy or, or the model from before you can wrap these existing things that you've got. So you can leverage all of these existing apps and these existing automations that you've got today um, just with a Python wrapper. So you're, you're not giving it up, right? You're, you're, you're keeping it and, and you can kind of evolve it and, and refine it. Um, but you've gained a tool to help you also work with it and, and to extend it and to loop it in with other things. So I think that's a really important thing to, to, to assure people, right? Um, the, 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 the idiom of, of Python where you, you write it, that Pythonic wrapper and then, mm. you know, hand off to, to the native implementation is there for a reason, right? And it's a recognition that really good software exists in these other languages, in these other environments. So uh, taking nothing away from those, right? It, it's definitely a, a powerful thing. Um, it's just you, you, you get an extra set of handles when you can make access or make use of it through Python. Excellent. Thank you. But I think it's also important that that while Rex is something that is well known in the in the mainframe space, uh, there aren't a ton of people using Rex uh, from other platforms. On the other hand, a lot of those other platforms have have bred a community that really understands Python, and and now that community can take those skills and use them. Uh, to learn and manage uh, the ZOS environment, which which greatly changes um, the learning curve associated with using the platform. 
Yeah, that, that's very true, Frank. I mean, I, I've seen a number of, of posts on, on forums, you know, pleading for Rex help. And why, why doesn't this work? Um, but, but to your point, like, I don't know what proportion, but a, a large proportion of the Stack Overflow questions you see are Python based. So, yeah, definitely having access to that community in terms of support, you know, what, what's the right way to do this or, or how do I do this? Uh, and just the the power that comes from the development talent that's concentrated there, I think, is, is a, a very liberating thing. So we're, we're coming up to the bottom of the hour here. Uh, I, I really like to understand uh, what you think uh, is, is coming up in the, in the future for the, for the language. Are we gonna, are we gonna see more uh, IBM or, or vendor content? If so, where do you think it will go? You know, where, where would you like to see uh, Python go in the next year or so? Okay. Um, so one thing is we're, we're going to step up in terms of currency. So we're going to keep up with the community and we're going to, to move, march along there. So, I mean, that that's a sort of a given. Beyond that, where I'd like to see things, I think, is, is this broadening out, right? So as we've kind of talked, there, there's incredible power in the notion of, of building these bridges to existing applications and existing facilities through Python. Uh, you, you just unlock a, a, a big picture of potential in terms of, of what I can do by combining different things where they, they weren't really intended to speak or ever know about each other. Um, but by bringing them together in Python, I can do something that's new and useful in, in that space. So I'd like to see a lot of, of focus and development around that space in terms of, you know, how do we make existing things work? Um, and, and we're already seeing people kind of stepping to that and, and actually kind of working through that as well um, around DB2 and, and other things like that. So getting to that space is, is certainly there. Uh, then kind of getting that groundswell of, of use around IBM Z and Python is going to help as well. That's going to help us in terms of, of getting things upstreamed and fixed so that they do work on the platform so that we improve the situation from the perspective of, you know, one of the challenges you, you have when, when trying to upstream a change, let's say to, to some open source C project for Z is, well, who's using it, right? Or, or, or why, why should I accept this patch? Because I don't have access to that kind of machine or things like that. Having, you know, a real world kind of tsunami behind it in terms of guys, we really need this really helps to make that case as well. So those are kind of the places I would like to see it kind of really grow and really hone. Uh, and then just, I, I, I'm, I'm really eager and anxious to see, I mean, excited to see the, the things people come up with because Python is one of those, those languages where people just come up with amazing things. And, and so I expect when you, when you combine what you've got access to on IBM Z, you know, specifically beside all of that data and all that processing, um, the interesting things you can start to do with Python on top of that. Awesome. All right. So uh, with that, uh, I really like to thank you, Chad, for, for joining us and, and helping us see where Python is and where it's going in the near future. Oh, you're welcome, guys. This, this was awesome. Yeah. Join Old us. Old Man Charlie. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.